there, and welcome to No Stupid Answers episode 14, the show with the most qualified people discussing and answering the most interesting questions from Reddit. I'm Colton Wallace, joined by Queen of Podcasting, Loria Sava. What's up? PhD, Dr. Jessica Azarians. Hey there. And our resident linguist, Josh Lieto. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Josh. What's up? Oh, well... Uh, we asked Reddit a question this week. Yeah, that's right. And our question that we asked Reddit was, I will say, quite a linguistics question that was close to my heart. If I may read it, it reads, what word do you find repulsive and or gross? And I got to give a shout out to Lori for coming up with this question. There's a lot of words out there that are just weird. Yeah, so we got we got some. We got a couple responses. We got the obligatory moist. That one made it in. <laughs> And then we also got phlegm, maggot, gulch. And I think we got an answer from our other podcast host, Jessica. Did yep, you say, the, did you write moiety or is that how you say I that? I did. Yeah, moiety. What, what is that? I don't even know what that is. It's a chemistry term. It's the reason I hate it. Um, it is the like chemistry version of moist. It <laughs> like just mm. reminds me of that. And I just hate the way it sounds. And everyone like overuses it, I believe. So moiety, it can be used like to give it some context, like if you're talking about a molecule and then it's got like a group on it that you want to point out and that's like common to a group of molecules, you can call that like a moiety, like so it's like a functional group or it's a characteristic. Like a, it's like, like a flock? I don't quite get it. What do you mean a flock? But like how there's different words for like a murder of crows and an unkindness <laughs> of ravens, it's like a moiety of molecules. Or no, is it not used like that? Uh, not not quite. So like, but it, it might be like, like if you're talking about the amino group on a, a collection of molecules and they all have like that group, like you could be like in this moiety, you know, like in that kind of context. Um, but there are other meanings like, um, like if you look up the def the standard definition of it, um, it has different uses besides oh, that. Oh, I, I get it now because it's like, so moiety is like a thing that can be divided into constituent parts. Right. So like and uh, the moiety, yes. well, no, the moiety is the part, right? The moiety is the part. So it's exactly. The, it's not um, the whole like, thing. Correct. And it also has, according to Google, it has an anthropology connotation as well. Oh, it also can refer that. to each of two social or ritual groups into which a people <laughs> is divided, especially among Australian Aboriginal people and some North American Indians. And I tell you right here, this definition is why language is a complete illusion. Because these, <laughs> <laughs> these, these, these categories make no sense and they don't go together. <laughs> they do not at all. <laughs> uh, not at but, all. Uh, yeah, moiety is an interesting word. It definitely sounds like moist. It does. And it's just the worst. I don't like it. So any, anyways, when I was giving talks or describing different things uh, tactically, I would always try to avoid that word. Um, and you can just say like functional group or like you can avoid it completely. And it's just like kind of word salad -y if you try to put it into a sentence and like mess it up. Do you up. think that it like it, it, it in in its use as maybe like a marker of a, like a person using it to mark themselves as like a chemistry person. Like uh, when you're yeah, like, I think I'm it's, a, like yeah. this is a moiety and I'm like so smart <laughs> with my moiety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. And uh, yeah, kind of, I think that it can be a little bit jargony, like, and that is, uh, you know, something that I've talked about in the past. I think me and you, Josh, have actually discussed this in the past where like um, I kind of believe that, there can be a, a bit too much jargon in academia and it obfuscates um, like the true meaning of uh, what you're trying to get across. And like, if you just use like simpler terms, uh, you could be more clear and also appeal to a wider audience. And I think that there's a difference between using like jargon um, that makes something more clear and then just yes. using terminology that makes something makes you just sound like you're smart. And like right. I'm just like, you can make the distinction between those. And I'm just kind of tired of the, all the like posturing and like people using language to make themselves look smart. That's the yeah. part I don't like. Exactly. And for me, that's the crazy part is that when we're talking about whether it's like, so you're talking about context of academia, 
sciences, you know, research, knowledge, like, like knowledge production, arguably. And I think that jargon does serve a purpose in that it can, it is a creation of extraneous vocabulary that can very specifically define smaller and smaller units of things. Right. Right. That's jargon to me. And so in some contexts, when you need to be that specific, there is no other way to construct a sentence which which actually conveys a syntactical meaning to somebody right. without that that is that accurately represents the thing that you're trying to describe with your language without using a ton of jargon. Sometimes you just have to. Right. 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 right Depending right. on the nature of it. But the reality is that the vast majority of communication that we all do does not even come close to that level. Right. right. And yeah. especially when you're talking about like, yeah, just like you're saying, uh, the jargon ultimately just serves to kind of obscure what's really going on while mm-hmm. at the same time, it just becomes like a weird symbol for some people of how smart they are. Right. And it's just, it's a strange thing. And I mean, I get it, but I agree with you, but I feel like we need to go to Colton and Lori and ask them, what are some words that you guys find repulsive? Seepage. Seepage. <laughs> That's such a great one. That S-E-E-P-A-G-E? Really yeah. Why? Gross. What's so gross I about that? I, I think that's that's kind of the uh, gist of this question, right? Is that it's not like it just sounds gross. I th- I don't know. Just I don't know how to explain gross. why seepage sounds gross. What about you, Lore? Uh Definitely don't like the word stinky. It's just oh. one that just like <laughs> makes me kind of cringe. And I, I kind of like realized how evil I was by asking this question to Reddit <laughs> for a verbal podcast. Um, <laughs> you're going to start out your podcast with all the worst gross words that I really have no explanation on why I don't like them. <laughs> I just don't like them. Has it yeah. always been something you didn't like? Is that like the word that like as a child, you're like, ew, gross? I don't remember not liking it as a child, but I do know I don't like it now. So I feel like it may have uh, grown on me at some point or what, but I just, it's a weird word. It's just all these words that have something to do with like body smells. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of weirdness in there. And also the word stinky is like infantizing, like a gross thing. And I, I guess I feel like all, all most words that infantize like gross. Do you things, mean infantilize? I don't know. Or what do you make it that... for little kids? Yeah, like you, you, like stinky. Like you don't say it stinks. You say it's stinky. That's oh, like right. A, so you're not you, saying infantilize where you make somebody feel like a baby, but you're saying that it's basically like children's language. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is that yeah. infantize the correct term there? Infantize no is not. That is not a word. Um, well. that I've ever heard of. And my instinct tells me that that's a, word just, no. it's all good. My, my, I don't know what that word means, but I can tell you that I hate it. Uh, I find it repulsive and gross. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, there is a clear answer to this in the realm of linguistics, psychology, uh, site, whatever you want to say, because people have asked this question a lot, right? And um, they've asked the question of, why are people repulsed by certain words? And the short answer is you're repulsed by the word because of its association in your language with the concept. Right. That's right. the reason. It has nothing to do with the sounds. You're actually overanalyzing the sounds. And what your brain has done, because you're so fluent at the language you're speaking, is that you have confused the sounds of your language with real things. And they're not. It's your sounds of your language are produced by your vocal cords, and no, and language is not real. It's a construction of the human mind. And the things, most importantly, the words in a language are not things in the same sense that a table is a thing, or I'm a thing, or or right. you're a thing, right? These are abstract entities. At any rate, the point is, is that. Um, the answer is that people find these words gross because of the associations that they have within their language. And uh, they specific, I read a study today that specifically these researchers looked at um, the word moist because it's so commonly said as one of these disgusting words. And what they did is they, uh, I don't remember the full extent of it, but my the very brief summary version that I can recall was basically that um, they had people 
read these words and read not just, so they read, so the question is, if the word moist, if it's in the word, if it's in the sounds, then other words that sound like that should also mm -hmm. trigger some kind of similar reaction or there should be some pattern there. And is there's just not. People are disgusted by smelly, damp areas. And those two things go together and they come together in the meaning of the word moist and most importantly, in the common usage of the word moist. Um, so that's just, so just like Laura, you said it so perfectly when you said, what was the word you said? Stinky? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's because you're socially enculturated to feel repulsed towards smelly and stinky things. That's why you don't like that word. Interesting. And Colton, you said seepage. Yeah. Another one. So, I mean, that's the clear answer um, for me. But, and, and the lesson there at the end of the day is that words are not, words are not the things. We all got to remember that. Yeah. I don't like the word toe beans. No, what is that? No. So it's what you call like if you look like, like your cat's or your dog's paws, <laughs> like they call their little their little like the front of their paws their toe beans. No, the bottoms. Oh, I don't yeah, the, like the that. little pads. What? No. And I, I don't like I don't know, I don't like the their like hand, their little fingers being referred to as a bean. I just I hate it. I hate it so <laughs> much. And I was Why? thinking about that Why word and I was like, so much? well, oh, I, don't I don't like, like it either. Like that one I recognized, I don't like it because of what it's saying. Like it's exactly. saying the cats. So that I thought that one didn't apply. But after you telling me all this, it seems to apply. Toe beans. That's my answer. <laughs> I've never heard of that word, but yeah, I don't think I like it. <laughs> should we end on the top grossest words? Um, yes, Lori, we should. Did you have a list? The article is by Olivia Petter, um, and it is moist, pus, and phlegm. These are the grossest mm -hmm. words in the English language according to study. And we will go I know, I in do, order. And it's so, what a surprise that all those things are also physically revolting. Hmm, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Number 10, curd. Number mm. nine, putrid. Number eight, ooze. Number seven, mucus. Number six, fester. Number five, splooge. Number four, moist. <laughs> splooge? <laughs> Number three, seepage. Number two, phlegm. And number one, pus. And I want to let you know that I all, all of those words I just said out loud with my window open as our neighbor walked by. So <laughs> I have a feeling they're wondering what the fuck I'm doing. That, <laughs> that is great. honestly kind of a disappointing list because it just proves what I said, though. Those yeah. words are not similar at all. You're like right. In terms it does of, all have... they're, all, they're similar in terms of they refer to things that are disgusting and refer to like bodily fluids and like damp and like gross and like yeah mm -hmm. um so we have one more task at hand and that is to decide what the best reddit response was okay mm. let's look at these so again the reddit responses were phlegm maggot gulch and moist well it has to be the one that's furthest up on yeah. the list yeah right? phlegm was number two on the list above moist so do we award phlegm I think so, and we also should give us a special shout out to Big Farm, one seven seven seven, who said, "I didn't know it was spelled like this. Very unattractive." Who's <laughs> walking around spelling phlegm F L E M? <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's B H L E E G M, guys. Come on, it's Greek. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> But I think uh, the ultimate winner is a little bit too lucky who did write out phlegm properly. So, All right. Yep. Congratulations, a little bit too lucky. You are the best Reddit response. You have the grossest word. Congrats. All right. Our next question uh, posted on Reddit by user Collapse Future. And the question is, do most people actually need air conditioners heater and heaters? Aside from places with extreme climate condition, I noticed how in many places where the climate is not particularly extreme, many people use air conditioners and heaters. Are you guys uh, air conditioned supporters or uh, air conditioned haters? The Bay Area does not really support air conditioning. Okay. Uh, lots of windows, Bay windows maybe. Um, 
And yeah, I wouldn't say that the berry doesn't support it. There's just no use for them out here. They're, we really don't need it that much because the weather's yeah. perfect all the time. So, mm. you oh, know, right. Um, right. So <laughs> that, that aside, um, I think that I think that uh, air conditioners are a like an amazing invention, but I always feel like they're such a they feel like such a waste. Really? I mean, all they're doing is just like making it colder. Yeah. In a small space. They're not Making very energy efficient always. I mean, you do use a lot of electricity. However, I like a nicely regulated home. <laughs> I like yeah. to keep it at one temperature at all times. I am like a baby when it comes to, is it too hot or too cold? And I like Dang. to be able to monitor that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in or in a attempt to bring like the current, way society is into every question we do i would like to say that the way society currently is you need an air conditioner because when you like where i live you know in the summer there's times where it gets really hot and then in the winter there's times where it gets really cold now we'll just leave heating alone but if we're talking air conditioning in the summer okay if i don't have air conditioning in the summer and then I need to try and like maintain the same schedule I do the rest of the year. Like if I, if all of a sudden it's 60 degrees one day and a hundred the next day, I'm not going to be able to sleep very well. It's going to lower my quality of sleep. It's going to mess up my schedule. I won't get enough sleep. I'll be too tired. It's, it's not like a thing. Like I can't like, you know, schedule my life around how hot it's going to be. And oh, I need to change my sleep schedule. Cause it's going to be like 195 degrees at 10 PM. Um, I agree, Colton. Yeah, you have a fragile constitution. (laughs) Well, a couple weeks ago, it was so hot here. And this is one thing I work from home now. And I did not realize how much I miss um, temperature control in my office. Because we don't have air conditioning. It was just kind of a, a one week where it got, gets really hot. And it's usually only one week that it gets really hot. But um, I couldn't pay attention at all in any of my calls. Mm-hmm. I was trying to focus, but I was so hot. And I was like, I completely forgot about the fact of going into an office where it's temperature controlled. And, mm-hmm. and how much that affects my focus. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, you say uh, weak constitution, but I I just don't, it's not, I can't go and sleep comfortably. It's not that it's impossible, but it's a detriment to my sleep, which in turn is probably a detriment to your health. I I use air conditioning in the summer when it gets hot. I mean, I'm not trying to sacrifice. (laughs) And that is a reasonable statement. I could not live where you live without air conditioning. Seriously, I can't I can't be above like in a in a house that's more than like 75 degrees before I start to get uncomfortable. Like it's just I can't handle no AC. I need it. And I don't care if I'm weak because of it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that. AC. I don't I get hot really easy. I overheat like instantly and I don't sweat that much, so I feel like once I get like hot, it's like hard for me to cool down. So it's like the worst thing I can imagine, the, like the most uncomfortable thing is always includes being hot. And <laughs> <laughs> so if it's like going to be a bad time for me, it's probably going to be hot. Like that's like the base layer. And then there's other things like piled on, but can't do it. I would rather freeze to death than be 80 degrees. <laughs> I mean, the question does ask, like, do you actually need it? Oh, you I can, mean, yes, you do. I, I will tell you why. Uh, so if you are uh familiar with the country of france um the french generally don't like air conditioning and there's some belief in france that the change in temperature is bad for your health and like going from hot to cold can be you know cause like um sinus issues and stuff and sore throats okay um and they just believe AC is just not necessary. Um, so there's a great article from Oi in France, and it's a blog about somebody who lives abroad in France. Mm-hmm. And in their article, Why Are the French Afraid of Air Conditioning? They elaborate on this. And um, I, basically, they just they were looking for an apartment near the center of town with air conditioning, and they really struggled to find one. Um 
the non-believers presented <laughs> the following fact in france the fo- the homes have shutters so <laughs> and you might say oh well they have fragile what, what was it fragile constitution but then if we go to this article from the bbc Record heat wave. This is from 2019. Record heat waves in June and July caused the deaths of 1,435 people in France this year. So, I mean, there's a heat wave in Europe right now. It's going to yes. be like 104 Correct. into wow. the UK tomorrow. And there's there's a struggle where in places where there is no AC. So in those cases, now I'm not saying like I, I just love have how the, have I just love how these issues are related to like these incredibly hot year record summers are because of climate change and you guys are like we need more ac <laughs> it's it's not that it's the root of the problem but i have to do something when it gets this hot yeah you want to know my trick when it's hot yeah. i take a washcloth i wet it down and i put it in the freezer <laughs> and then i yeah. put that on my head <laughs> that is what we do here <laughs> in my house <laughs> that's what Lori does by herself Clever, clever, Josh. You have a strong constitution, though, so you wouldn't. You don't believe in things I'm, like that. It, I, I have done it, but I, I'm not going to admit to. Uh, I'm not going to say that like it was my idea. <laughs> I mean, Josh, you go to like warm climates. Like you live. Part I of haven't. The year I haven't been. I know, and I haven't been there in a while, and I'm. I'm nervous, but we are going to change, Lori. When we go. It's going to be hot. I'm going to melt. Well, yeah. the the thing I learned in Indonesia is you don't really need an air conditioner as long as you have a fan. I think honestly. you need some form of warming or cooling. Yeah, yourself. It's like go, I mean, and stay I think in the shade. Air conditioners and heaters have become, specifically in the U.S., uh, much more uh, very easy to get. Sometimes they cost money, uh, but you can get them. And they're pretty hot commodity. People know how to uh, get them into your buildings and your office spaces and stuff. But I think if I was to go back and say, do I need it? I am. I don't need it. I am perfectly fine throughout the summer and winter based on where I am located. Um, do I like it? Yes, I love it. <laughs> I think that like in some places that do get cold, like Michigan and other places, um, not having actual heating in a dwelling is illegal. It might be. I mean, I mean that would make sense. Yeah. So like if we're answering the question in that way, then the answer we've been focusing on AC, but like heating. Absolutely. I guess that's the difference, right? It's like to protect yourself from cold, you have to bundle up and like produce heat somehow, like fire or whatever. But right, or, or with like central air, heating and air. <laughs> sure, sure. But like, you know, conversely with an air conditioner, you could just continue to take clothes off and then you're just naked. That's at a certain absolutely point. not true. It gets hot <laughs> enough to where you are still hot when you take all your clothes off. Yep. And I guess it's not an argument of I can't live without the air conditioner. Right. My argument is I would be a much less productive, less happy, and I would get less shit done individual if I just had to go all summer without air conditioning. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, I mean, people do acclimate. Like when I moved to Florida for five years, um, I did acclimate to a hotter um, climate, but I was never comfortable. And also, like every building you walk into in the south <laughs> is like literally like sure. sixty-five degrees because of the AC. So it's like it's like whoa, you're like yeah. Yeah, it's like a wall. Yeah, and there's yeah. been some occasions where it's been like warm and breezy and not too humid outside, and I've been like, wow, this is kind of nice. But like ninety-five percent of the time in Florida, it was like absolutely miserable being outside because it was too hot. So like. And I think that people couldn't really move to Florida, like, until AC became, like, more widespread. Yeah, so, that's like, the driving factor for a lot of the movement to the right, yeah. warm, more warmer areas in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I'll also say that when I moved out here, it got, um, like, really hot one week. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just go to a restaurant, like, why not? And I walked into the restaurant and realized they also didn't have air conditioning. Mm. And then I was like, wait, I am in a restaurant where they're cooking and they don't have air conditioning. Like, I can't do this. I literally, we didn't end up sitting down because I was like trying to get a reprieve and it did not work. So we just <laughs> were like, well, this isn't going to do what I need it to do. <laughs> yeah. 
um, another story I have regarding AC. So, um, somebody that I know, their uh, parents basically don't believe in AC. Mm. They live in Michigan. And um, what happens in the summer is it gets so hot that they move their bed to their basement and sleep down there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess the argument is I should just move my bed to my basement and sleep down there. (laughs) I mean, if you don't have AC, that's a good option. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. And in Michigan, that's probably more common. I mean, the houses have basements. A lot of them do. Um, Not all places have that type of housing, too. So. Um, you just kind of, I do really think it depends on where you live and the geography that's in place, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't think there's people out there. I, I don't think there's a very large segment of people out there that are like, oh, I don't want to have AC. And if you are one of those people, I'd yeah. like to hear from you and like, like really like. Yeah. Show Josh some support. <laughs> your constitution is probably very strong teach us the way <laughs> to be fair you have to have a very high iq in order to not have air conditioning <laughs> all right our next question posted on reddit by user magda kitsune 21 and the question is is making friends at work possible i heard people say that their friendships are just to pass the time and they'll be gone once you change your job is that really true it was for me. Who's telling you this? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, I don't no think way. so. Do you guys have like really good work friends? Oh yeah. yeah. You never have Josh? Um I mean, I thought I made a pretty cool entry into this <laughs> local social scene at my jobs, but you know, never really panned out for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have friends from multiple jobs that are I would consider pretty good friends now that I don't work at anymore. Yeah. Um, I guess to me, it's like you have to spend a lot of time at work. So I'm not saying you have to be friends with all the people at work, but I don't think you should just be like, Oh, I can't be friends with anyone here and then spend 40 hours a week there. That's not any fun. Yeah. I have had a job where I had the opposite of friends. I had enemies that tattletailed on me. (laughs) What do you mean? They did not like how many unofficial breaks I was taking. Really? And they told my boss. Wow. And um, they, these unofficial breaks were to the bathroom because I was drinking a lot of water. Yeah. And uh, because I was at a desk all day, I made it my goal to be like, I'm going to do one thing here and I'm going to drink a ton of water. Yeah. And I was going to the bathroom like 10 times a day. <laughs> At any rate, um, let's talk about you guys. How about you guys talk about all of your great friends I never had? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to call BS on Josh. His job, he is a PhD student right now, and he has very good friends in his PhD program. And I would say that you've definitely They're not work friends. They're not work friends, though. They are friends. The university pays you and you work with them. No, they're they're like fellow travelers, you know? They're not. Are they in the same program as you? Sure, I have some very close friends in my that are in my my program. I met a lot okay. of people, and you know, I have some so friends like outside. Your, but like your cohort yeah, of like, I'm not going to say they're they're not my coworkers though. They're not people that I made friends with at work. Okay, but like you guys all are TAs, and like you teach. Maybe you don't teach together, but like you're all students in a similar program. Sure, and you're yeah. doing a job, and sometimes um, we do work together. Right. Okay. So they're not traditional coworkers, but like you do work together and you Listen, met them. Listen, he doesn't want to have work. any friends at his job. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell us about your friends at work, Lori. I find it just like disheartening to hear somebody doesn't have a job. I have a friend at work. Yeah. Um, because studies show that you stay at your job if you have friends. It's. I mean, and they also show that you thing. get fired if you have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> That was the problem, Josh. Yeah, I just had no friends. I was just the out. I was like, there he's the he's the new kid. Never he's weird. (laughs) Doesn't even go here. I have made lots of great friends through work. Probably one of the main places that I make friends, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um and I've made them through my work, working with them, going to conferences. Um 
I actually have to root many of my friendships through that. So I definitely think you can make friends at work. Um, and also, I think it's a great place to make friends because usually you are putting in a lot of effort and time into a certain thing and you have a mixture of shared trauma, common mm -hmm. experiences, but also shared you're trauma. probably working. On Come on, guys. <laughs> shared trauma. <laughs> well, let me explain. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I, I think also, so you have those things and also you're working on probably something that you may have a passion about that they mm -hmm. also have a passion about. Right. Um, and when I say shared trauma, I mean, you're going through the ups and downs of wherever you're at. So you are in it with those people. You can, you, when the company goes down, you're going down. Like when the company goes up, you're going up. Like your shared experiences if you have a bad manager, mm, that's exactly. a bonding moment. Like exactly. those are all very important things that happen. Now, it's, I think it's probably much harder to make friends in a remote first place, um, like oh, where point. you are either hybrid or you are calling in um, because you don't get that face to face. You don't get the ability to kind of strike up a conversation after a meeting or whatever. But I do think that, yes, you can definitely make friends at work. That's been always like one of my favorite things about work. Like I haven't loved all my jobs. I've had all different types. And like it's really the people that I go to work with that were the best part of it. And like I see the my coworkers as like infusing value into the business or into the work itself in a lot of ways. And so, like, I tend to, like, really value those people and, and cherish those types of relationships. And I just like to get to know people. And I guess I've been really lucky where, um, you know, in all these disparate jobs, like, I feel like I've come away with, like, a friend in tow, like, collecting people as I go. And, like, that has been something I've I've been able to do throughout my life in working. And I love that. I love getting to know people. I love talking to people. And like understanding what's important to them. And like it really does help me like feel like I belong in a workplace if I have work friends and that I know the people that are around me um, in that kind of context. We don't need to be best friends, but I want to know something about them. I want to know about their lives, what drives them. And I really like care about other people's values. Um, and so for me, like to feel good in a job, like I kind of need all that extra um, like I said, I don't need to be best friends with everybody, but I like need to know something about them as people to like feel secure and like safe in a job. Um, and so because of that, I just make friends with people and I love them and I still keep in touch with some of those people. And also, if you think of like there's the great resignation going on, mm -hmm. I put air quotes around that. Um, but also, if you look at it, like there's a Harvard study that came out that found like 36% of Americans report feeling lonely at work. And so mm. if you really connect wow. those dots, like if you're feeling lonely at work, do you really feel valued? Do you really feel supported? Do you really right. feel like you can make mistakes that you can challenge the status quo? Right. A lot of those things come with the support network you have. And when you don't have that, you feel less like I believe that you'd probably feel less connected into the work that you're doing. Yeah, I, I guess the last thing I have on this is that I think in terms of making friends at work, I don't know what your current situation is, if this is a new job or, but I, I guess it kind of just will probably happen naturally. I don't think you need to like force it. Just talk yeah. to people as you normally would. And over time, you'll probably develop friendships with people. Yeah. And like what Lori said with like shared trauma, like yeah. if you have a shitty boss, like you guys can come together and like get through it together. Like you become your a support system for each other and it makes the job just so much easier and like doable in an otherwise like terrible environment. And like that is invaluable when you're in that situation. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's also an article that I found. Um, we can post this. It's in Fortune and it's by Chloe Berger and it's called Will you be my work friend? The new reality <laughs> of making and keeping a work friend in the hybrid world. Um, if whoever is uh, this user is, is kind of trying to figure out how to do it, but also they're virtual or they have some people that come into the office or not. There's some interesting tips in this article and some good data. So 
I will share that with everyone. Great. I want to ask somebody, will you be my work friend? <laughs> will you be my work friend? I'm pretty sure I've said that multiple times. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Magda Kitsune 21, we hope you make some friends at work. Good luck. And uh, we'll be back after this quick break. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Our next question comes in from user Last Knowledge 8982 Last Knowledge wants to know, how do I tell if I have fleas and how do I get rid of them? For this one, I'm going to turn it over to the, the ringleader of the flea circus himself, Colton Wallace. <laughs> um, thank you for that kind introduction. Um, so I have some knowledge about fleas and that I have dealt with having fleas in my place of living twice. And twice? Yeah, it's awful. So... The first time that we had fleas, it was when I was a teenager and um, I started getting these bites on my leg and they were really itchy and I, I was I was so confused at first and it took a while for us to figure this out. And I think they started in the basement because uh, somebody had had their dog come over to our house for like a weekend oh. and that must have been where they came from because after that is when I started getting the bites and the dog was in the basement of the house. So I started getting the bites before because I was in the basement and my video games were down there. Um, and then you spread the fleas out well, of the, the basement? Fleas, fleas will spread on their own. There's, it was carpeted up through and up to the first floor. And then I noticed my cat would not go on the floor. What? My cat would jump from like couch to table. She would like avoid the floor. Wow. If at all possible. And at first I had, I'm like, what? what is going on with my cat? Why is she avoiding the floor. It's so weird. The floor and is then, lava. Yeah, that, that basically. And then the bites, like I kept getting these bites all over my legs that were super itchy. Like tiny little bites? Yeah, uh, they, they look kind of, I feel like they're like little red bites that kind of itch like mosquito bites. Uh-huh. And um, then eventually my mom noticed and I think she started getting some bites, but not as many as me. I think my side, where my room was, was closest to like the basement and that mm-hmm. carpet. So they infested up there and into Ugh. all the carpet. Um, it, Could you see the fleas? I think eventually once we, they're, they're not like, I feel like it wasn't obvious. Like I wasn't like finding them until the infestation got pretty bad. Cause at first I didn't know what the hell it was. I didn't know what, what fleas like looked like, what a flea infestation looked like. Uh huh. And I guess it's very common for them to come in on like dogs. Um, so or that was, other animals. Uh, maybe, but that was where they came from. So then to get rid of fleas, if the infestation gets really bad, you have to, you could get, you have an exterminator come and they can look at it, but they do like flea bombs. Yeah. Where you have to leave the house and they set off a flea bomb and it kills everything. Yeah. And we did that. And after that, fleas were gone. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, but it was, it was an ordeal because I didn't know what the hell all the bites were from and they itched so bad. Wow. The second uh, run in with fleas I had was in college. I had moved into a new apartment. And um, so this was a, an apartment like the first day I moved in. Mm-hmm. It was the first weekend. And on that Sunday morning, by that Sunday morning, I had flea bites all over my ankles. Oh. Did you? <laughs> so did I, you notice them? Like, did you oh, know yeah. what they were? No, I like, knew right away. Like if I don't know what this would have been terrible if I had not had that previous experience because I wouldn't have known what the hell was going on. And then so with this, this would have like literally three days after I moved into the apartment, I walked to the leasing office on Sunday and I'm like, yo, there is fleas in my apartment. You need to fix this. And they treated it like I did it. (laughs) They're like, oh, well, how did you get fleas in your apartment? I'm like, okay. Fleas don't just show up on Friday and have the full apartment fully infested by Sunday. That's not how fleas work. And they still were like, well, I don't know. We'll take a look at it. But the whole experience was them treating me like I magically infested the apartment with fleas in two days. Wow. We've seen a recent edit is that they didn't actually have fleas. They have bed bugs. Like, that's awful. I would take a flea infestation any day over bed bugs because I think bed bugs are like way harder to get rid of. Bed bugs are there's like a, a clause in a lot of 
um, like apartment leases about bed bugs. So my ultimate rec- uh, recommendation is go to the professionals. <laughs> yeah. Don't wor- don't spend your effort and worry on uh, getting essential oils and vacuuming everywhere. Just go get somebody else to do it. <laughs> yeah, I hope you get your uh, bed bug problem figured out. Let us know how that goes. We're yeah, sending I'm... all of our hope and love to you. I'm sorry you don't have fleas. <laughs> Um, Do you guys remember when you were kids and your grandma was just like, said she had to call the Orkin man and you didn't realize that Orkin was actually like the name of the company and you just thought it was like a type of person? (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys remember that? No. No. I I think that was just your grandma calling the Orkin man. (laughs) My grandma had, uh, we went up to my grandma's cabin one summer and her whole door post by her door was just like eaten out by termites and whatever. Oh my God. Just like tons of termites in in the walls or whatever. And so she's like, well, we got to call the Orkin man. And I was like, the Orkin man? Who's that? Who's the Orkin man? She's like, he comes and he exterminates. He's going to, he's going to come and he's going to get rid of all these bugs. And I was like, the Orkin man. <laughs> Last knowledge eight nine eight two. I really hope your bed bug problem is resolved soon. Good luck. Hope the bed bugs don't bite. <laughs> Our next question posted on Reddit by user I'm here to learn ty, and the question is: Is it more intimate to sit next to or across from your significant other? Across one hundred percent. I agree. I think across is probably my final answer, but you know you can mix it up sometimes. If you are with multiple people and you sit like you have two couples, like I guess I would more naturally sit side by side rather than across from each other. That's true. What do you think? Yeah. Typically, if we're going out with another couple, we usually sit on the same side. Yeah. But when we go out with just us two, we sit across from each other. Right. Yeah. I Uh prefer the across from in just like us. But like I prefer the side to side, side by side. Also, Jessica and I typically when we go out to eat meals, we do uh, essentially food sharing mm-hmm. um, where we both get half of one meal. Um, we pretty much do the exact same thing. Yeah. So if you're it's with more another... like me getting three fourths of the whole thing <laughs> and Laura getting a quarter of the entire thing. Yeah. <laughs> same. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that would be really hard to do if we went out with people and we had to sit across from each other. That would make that a little more clumsy. So I guess in that aspect, it helps for that as well. Yeah. I also have a hard time hearing sometimes. Sometimes I think I'm like an 85-year-old lady with my hearing. And um, it's a lot (laughs) easier to communicate when you are sitting next to each other than across if you are at that bigger table with other people. Because, for example, this weekend we were um, on a fun little boat trip for our friend's birthday. Mm. I sat across from Josh um, I was like, should I have him sit across? Should I sit next to him? And just, even just with like all the conversations going on, I could barely hear what he was saying. So I think sitting next to each other is how I prefer. But it is weird to do that if you're alone. Like if it's just the two of you. I like to look at Colton. <laughs> so like it's easier to look at him when he's across from me rather than sitting next to me. So Yeah, something about like, one-on-one conversation i feel like you typically sit across from the person I, yeah right that's that's if you're much... next if, you, if you're next to the person then you basically have to constantly turn your head and it's weird right it's hard i don't want you that i don't like want to be that close to a person when i'm eating <laughs> like <laughs> so there's like i guess i appreciate the physical distance but like getting the visual of my um partner like i like to be able to look at at you and like talk to you like across from you better you know yeah. and um yeah if i'm eating food i like major space I, I guess we're making the assumption that people are like you know in this situation we're at a restaurant but like i guess you could like extrapolate it outside of that as well yeah in every other non-restaurant setting you sit next to right mostly right, right? like a, yeah. a theater or a, a car i guess i mean but those situations you're sitting and directing your attention to something else yeah um whereas at dinner when you're all alone you're like directing your attention to two things the person that you're with and the food that you have and so 
sitting across kind of serves that purpose for both items. I feel like there's like a clear answer for each one. Like if you are with just you and your significant other at a restaurant, you would sit across from each other. And if you are with other people, like another couple, you would sit on the same side as your significant other. Yeah. Right. That's the accepted answer. I, I think that we can think about intimate in terms of just physical proximity, which is one thing. And obviously, mm -hmm. if that's the case, then sitting with your, you know, bumping shoulders with somebody is going to be more intimate in that sense. But the other thing for me, again, is that when you're sitting next to somebody, I mean, unless you're directly, like, literally making out with them or in all up on them or whatever, if you're just sitting next to somebody, then your attention's basically, yeah, it can't be on them, you know? It's it's partially divided. If you have food, then you basically it sucks when you have food, especially because that's what I love the most about sitting across f from my partner and eating food is that I can act like I'm interested in what my partner is saying, <laughs> but really be focusing on my food instead because it's right in front of me. Whereas mm -hmm. when you're sitting next to somebody, you really are just like you're like, well, I either have to eat or I have to talk to you. <laughs> So I feel like the the eye contact and the the focus that that's sitting directly across from each other is gonna allow a certain type of intimacy that is gonna be hampered when you're sitting next to each other. I still feel like even outside of food, like if you're just having a drink, then I almost still feel like I want to be sitting across. And then you know you can snuggle on the couch later, or whatever, side by side. Right. But I yeah. think if you're out still, you're, I'm going across. Yeah, and I think that's and an. It, an intellectual intimacy at that point because then yes. it like facilitates conversation much better at least for us so like and i think that that is the part that i'm like going for in a restaurant i guess like obviously we're eating food but i like to talk to my partner right like i'm there to like get that um like emotional and intellectual intimacy yeah i guess one example of that is like if you, I don't know if anybody has done this, most likely, but when you walk into a restaurant and you're waiting for a table yeah. and so you sit at the bar first and you grab a drink, but you're sitting right next to each other and then you go to the table, I always feel much more comfortable at the table because yeah. that allows for better conversation than when I'm just sitting. Because then you kind of have to like yeah. pivot your bar stool to like look at each other. And, and I feel like if you're going out on a date um, especially if with somebody who you don't really know very well, it makes all the difference to move to a table so that you can actually have those conversations. Yep. Uh, crap. <clears throat> I forgot about sitting at bars. <laughs> he likes bars. I love sitting at bars. Do you feel yeah, like it's, it's more fine. intimate? I just, I no. I feel like it's fine, but nope. I kind of, I usually turn my chair slightly. I'm not very like agile sometimes <laughs> I what i don't know sometimes i feel like moving my chair around in a bar stool is like hard for me and like clumsy and shit so i'm just like it's not comfortable for me i'd okay. rather be in a little like you know cozy booth table It'd be, it's just better for me yeah. i think it's also a short girl problem or a short person problem because <laughs> moving those chairs yeah. those yeah. bar stools you have to like hop off of that and turn it and then hop back on. It's just not very eloquent. Yeah, sucks. Yeah. Thanks for your question. Am I here to learn TY? Um, hopefully we have thoroughly answered that question for you. Uh, our last question this week posted on Reddit by user PriorRush837. The question is, what do you miss about the old internet? Cue the uh, dial-up sound, please. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I think um. Sorry. <laughs> file sharing. Yeah. You you miss file sharing? Napster. You remember? miss it though? Yeah, like remember the thrill of the hunt? <laughs> thrill of the I don't hunt. Know. I mean, it's Soul Seek. <laughs> Did you guys ever use SoulSeek that was like a peer-to-peer? -to -peer? Like it was good for like electronic music. I made like friends in their I did chat not. rooms. Oh, nice. I did. That's There's some things I'm nostalgic about, but file sharing <laughs> uh, applications are not one of them. Like you okay. just go and you get, you know, there's crappy quality stuff out there. I feel like the situation now 
is... I thought it was just so magical back in the day. It was, like, yeah, amazing. I guess so. Because especially since I was, like, a teen and I, like, didn't have a lot of money to buy sure. every single CD. So it was, like, it was just Miss, so yeah. fun. And especially so considering fun. what you could do on a computer before that with music. It was, like, listen to a bunch of unsorted MIDI files. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, we can, like, get real music now? <laughs> you know? I definitely miss AIM. I, oh, I, I miss too. I miss creating screen names <laughs> and oh, chatting with the cute boys at school, even though they would never talk to me in real life. Like mm. I miss all of that. What was your AIM screen name? Can you say? I had Yo-ha. so many. Yo uh, Yo Cool. Yo Yo Cool returns when I lost my password. <laughs> my uh, brother set me up with one. Well, he set me up with my very first one, and he thought it was so funny. So he made it. I I said I wanted it to, to be like rubber ducky, and he w- made it ducky poop instead. Okay. And I didn't know how to change it, so that was mine for a while. Um, mint M&Ms at one point. I ch- had so many. I don't even... I had so many. That's crazy. I didn't know you had so many. What was what was yours, Jessica? Mine was Jessosaurus. I like... Oh, that's good. I like that's a great le- one. leaned heavy into that. I had a few different um, spellings. Um, so... I and I was very proud of not having numbers after it. It was just like my pride and joy that I was like the first Jessosaurus. Um, at least in my mind and AIM and AOL. I don't remember any of mine. Like I don't yeah, think I, I had any I feel like I just had dumb ones. I mean, you were were you even old enough to be on the internet? I feel wow. like you're so I feel, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had one that I used consistently the whole time. I had one the whole time, and it was a terrible username. But once people realized it was me, they're like, oh, that was kind of, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> then they're like, okay, I can talk to this person. You can person. tell us what it is? Yeah, I still kind of have difficulty pronouncing it. <laughs> so, it's yeah, it, it's actually German. It's in German. Okay. Uh, in German, it's Poisaima, which means uh, always Prussian. So, always Prussian. Uh, if you guys know the you know historical Northern European ethnic identity, the Prussians. Um, yeah. I don't know why I read that in a textbook and thought, you know, I was a big language nerd. So I was like, let's let's combine this with an adverb. Wow, dude, and, you're so uh, cool. I know, <laughs> uh, but I actually used it the whole time. I never changed it. I just left it at that. And I I I actually used um, I actually didn't use AIM that much. I used. Um, what was the other one I used? MSN oh, Messenger. Yes. Yeah. MSN Messenger was like... <laughs> I was, and cool. I had all the features. Yeah, dude. On MSN Messenger, I, when I first started it, I was like obsessed with playing the guitar. So I made my... I was I Am Hendrix. I remember nice. that. <laughs> and it was not... I don't know what... It, it, that was the first one, but we went through a lot of them after that. But I can't recall any of the other ones. I had one that was uh, Chaos Dude. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was sweet. Wow, you're so yeah. so teenage angst. So much. It's teen. so crazy, and we're the, and we're still the same inside. You know, <laughs> like where that like we did all this out of like our like this is like our teenage right. like confusion, figuring ourselves out, and like who am I? I don't know, but like here we are in our thirties, and we're we're we just became ourselves. <laughs> Thanks, internet. I miss the uh, old style message boards. Um, I mean, kind of like what Reddit has replaced in a way. Okay, so like I used to go to one called Video Game Chat, and then there was another paintball forum I was on for a while. And I I don't miss it in a reality. Like I realized if I went back and used that, I'd be like, well, this isn't actually that great. But like just the nostalgia of like, going to the board and it's like got all the, these stupid graphics everywhere <laughs> and different individual boards where I can go argue with people about Nintendo and PlayStation. So you were arguing with people back in the day? Oh yeah. Pioneer of I, the internet I, arguing? At one point I had looked and I had like posts from like the early 2000s and I was like whoa it's so <laughs> wow. weird that you can still go find this stuff. And there was like a game I played and there was like a whole website with a forum just devoted to that game. Yeah. And I, I just... I miss like the old style message board and kind of like along with that, almost like exploring the internet in a way Yeah, where like it's like looking up stuff for video games and it, it was more so like going to different websites and actually finding different stuff. And the way right. stuff is kind of um, it's, it's, I guess it's easier and better to find stuff today, but 
some of that exploration, there's like a little bit of nostalgia. And I realize it's just like a golden era syndrome thing. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this was so cool when I was younger and I was like hunting this stuff down on the internet and I found this awesome website and sent it to my friend. But actually it <laughs> kind of sucked. Yeah. Yeah. And like actually still... the information was like less efficiently organized. Right. And like, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It was so, but it was like the hunt and right. I, I'm not arguing it's better. It's 100% was not. But when I think about it, it's it's kind of a cool thing in my head. But that that's kind of the thing I think about. But it's not actually better. Like I yeah. I mean that's it. definitely nostalgia though. Yeah. You know, 100%. Like and nostalgia is definitely wistful like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not an exact replication of what it was, but it's a it's a it's not a longing for it to be recreated, but it's a recognition that what it was is irreplaceably gone. Right. And to long for that and say, you know, oh, wow. Like, and to be sentimental towards that in the way that you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I totally get that. I, I was, I, when I really thought about this question, I was going to say like the same exact thing you're saying, because like, mm-hmm. yeah, like the, it was like, it was the, like what's really changed, right? It's like how information's organized and like, what's like, what's, what's, um, yeah, it's all better. Yeah. But like, also like what's piped to you, Right. Like mm-hmm. the sources of information are different. Like the way it's like, it's organized more efficiently, but like the, the way people use it, the like websites people use, everything's different in terms of like how information is disseminated and, and like distributed now versus like, you know, whatever, 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, it's exactly that exploratory element. Yeah. I remember finding like, I remember like reading the Hobbit and like going online and finding like these, like, you know, Tolkien, <laughs> like nerd pages to like had all the links to whatever. And it's just like shit that like just random people were putting yeah, like up. Right. Some web that, rings. That, that, that you would not be like, like they were like putting like resources and like things together that like you would have had to like spend your life at the library finding. Right. Right. <laughs> and like, it's like you're like that access and like, and that discovery, that yeah. was that's the thing that now it's like well you just search a word on reddit and you find a board and like right. it's it's i guess and it's not that that's actually a bad thing it's just it takes away the exploration part of it right and it also takes away the creative aspect of it because you have you come into the you, you we interact with the internet in which we have mm-hmm. a full expectation as to what we're about to get when we go into it right and like we know like it's just like I don't know. It's just our interactions are so structured, right? Yeah, maybe like, GeoCities can make a comeback. <laughs> Dude, GeoCities. <laughs> GeoCities, oh uh, man, those people at GeoCities, they were they really I mean, it was pretty revolutionary, but you know, they didn't they never wanted to be the punchline of a joke, but here we are. I think we might have talked about this in another question, but like I can't remember um your answers did you guys ever make like internet friends way back in the day in the early internet and chat <laughs> like and, i tr- i tried i was so bad <laughs> i accidentally wrote my friend's email address down like i entered it in msm messenger wrong and i got like some other person and he was in spain <laughs> and oh, no. yeah and i remember it was before i'd studied like any other like i was not i hadn't studied like any language so i just uh-huh. like looked and i was like that's like another language i don't know what's going on but then like that year in high school i started studying spanish and i realized like oh like those are spanish words and so i just started like sending the guy messages randomly and oh then that's I, cool I, I, but like yeah but I, I i remember being like i had like me and my band were like we wanted we were like Let's make a, let's make a, let's like look up, let's like find random people on the internet and make like a club for our band, right? And like, this was one of the guys that like, I was like just messaging this guy and I was like, hey, like trying to write in very bad Spanish, like, hey, do you want to be part of our club? And he, and he, and he was like, and I just remember him being like, yes, I want to be part of it. And, and, and now what? And I was like, okay, you're part of it. That's it. <laughs> like, I didn't give him anything. I just wanted him to be like, okay, cool. Like, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> like I just told him I was like, here's our band. Like we're like we literally had a GeoCities webpage. <laughs> here's our GeoCities. <laughs> like that's it. You don't get anything. Like that you're part of the club now. Welcome. <laughs> See, it's that innocence, right? Like I feel right. like the internet, the old internet had this. I mean, it was the Wild West in a way, in a lot of ways, where your parents were like, don't talk to anybody on the internet. You talk to everybody. You talk to time. everybody. But right, there's this right. like trust and this innocence that like was pervasive in a lot of ways and um that is just like not there now like i 
I, that I, is another thing that I miss. Yeah. It's just like um, so pure. Yeah, I made some friends in um, online games. Like I played a game called Fantasy Star Online and they had these lobbies and I got a keyboard for my GameCube so I Whoa. could type stuff. It was the best. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but from uh, the Reddit thread, uh, post from uh, a comment from Real Horror Show, my Dragon Ball Z Angel Fire page with flaming text logo. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff you can't get on the internet today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, vintage internet. I miss a very specific Kim Possible game from the Disney Channel uh, website. Oh, Flash and Game. And also... A Cadet Kelly game that was on that as well. You know, Dude, those little we games that were on you. those websites. I thought yeah. they were so cool. We might be able to hunt those down. The only problem is with their Flash games. I don't know. Do you remember the name of the game? Was it A Sitch in Time? Oh, maybe. That sounds familiar. It has an 80% rating. It was a great <laughs> game. It's a, B, it's a B minus. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, right? Back, yeah, I mean, back in the day. Early 2000s Flash game. That's great. Not too bad. Um, I, the other thing I saw in the Reddit thread, there's a lot of comments. Um, like I'll highlight this one here from Scapti, and it says, "When people used to make interesting content on YouTube just for the sake of it and not because yes. they were getting paid, the golden yeah. age of the internet died when YouTubers started being able to make money." And I 100% vehemently disagree with this statement. <laughs> go back and watch you like go watch YouTube videos from 2005 to two or. 2006 when did youtube anyways look at videos from the first five years of youtube and you will not you'll be like what <laughs> it is not better like you are you have some golden age bullshit going on well it's definitely it's it's definitely this like golden age nostalgia you're talking about though because yeah it's that's hilarious like go back to early five years of youtube and like you realize how what if you the go back quality, to the, fr- yeah, it's- oh my god, <laughs> not just the quality of videos, but the just the dearth of like good content, you know, right. yeah. like random people being like, "Here is my child's trip to the zoo," <laughs> and it uploaded in seven ten minute installments, and it's like, <laughs> no, I don't want to watch that. <laughs> I feel like there is something to be said though about like being angry about like every time you go to watch a video now and it's like oh but first they're gonna tell you about this spoon that right. you put in your tea and it actually so, does this and I never knew I needed yeah. this kind of spoon and and I get it you can be annoyed that there's ads but right. you have to pay for it somehow like you want people to just make all this high quality content for no income right just because you and want that's, it that's like a very common response in this. I feel like the most common comment in this thread was relating to like, oh, before people were able to make money by putting art out on the internet, it was cool. Yeah, like money, <laughs> I mean, ads. Also, I one thing that I do miss is um, getting free access to like news articles and things. Mm-hmm. It frustrates me so much where you try to go to like New York Times or something and it's like, right. you need a subscription. And I'm like, yeah. Your job is to give me the news. Like, why are you? Why do I have to pay well, for it? The reason I, that I mean, bothers me. Yeah. Well, the reason is because they nobody buys the hard I copies know, they, anymore. We don't so buy they have the no papers. income source. <laughs> I, I, it's the way it's set up does kind of suck though, because it's like you'd have to have so many different subscriptions, and then you have yeah. all these things putting articles in your face, and then it's like, oh, here's the headline. Oh, you can't read this. And I agree that's annoying. I don't I don't know what a good solution is, though, because if they just put the way it was going, they were essentially all a lot of them were starting to fold because they had no income because mm-hmm. nobody's buying the print copies anymore. Mm-hmm. I just got um, stick with NPR. I, <laughs> it's free for all. But it's almost kind of funny because like this like un, unlimited. Well, unlimited is the wrong word, but um, it's funny that this incredible access to knowledge you know it's gotten so efficient that we basically just like look it up we we look at it now and we're like oh <laughs> like we've been like all of human civilization up until this point has led up to this and now we like we look at our phones and we're just like oh <laughs> the only thing that i wish we could we could get back is i guess the civility uh and that like a little bit more niceness that you used to see on the internet because like people are just assholes now so i mean people have always been assholes but the internet has gotten markedly people have more, gotten too comfortable <laughs> yeah it's more vitriol than i can stand 
I'm not like totally crazy nostalgic about the old internet. Like, oh, I wish we could go back to whatever. But I just think that it is crazy to think about the different stages of the internet and to think about mm -hmm. like how you had like a site like Craigslist started out as just a listserv for people in San Francisco. And oh, it was yeah, just like, it was just like, yeah, it was like, here's a cool event happening at the park. Like, oh, here's an extra room I have. I'm trying to rent out, whatever. And then it actually turned into a website that was pretty big for a while and now is i mean it still has a, a user base but it's very small compared mm -hmm. to what it was in like 2008 right yeah have hope for the new internet mm -hmm. based on me watching movies i have a lot of hope i love streaming so that <laughs> no. in itself has made the new internet 10x that i can just pick a show and watch all 11 seasons as Long as I want. Now, because of people like you, no one goes to the movie theater no more. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your question, Prior Rush 837 If you want to see the questions we've discussed on the show or share the best questions you find on Reddit with us, then you can do that over at our subreddit, r slash no stupid answers pod. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at NOSA underscore podcast. You can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye, all. Get the Orca Man on the line. <laughs> <laughs>